tonight, so the 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthews, 13th chapter of the book of St. Matthews, and we're going to go, we're going to read verses uh, 24 through 30 tonight, verses 24 through 30, St. Matthew 13, 24. Look what it says. It says, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? Verse 28, And he said unto them, an enemy hath done this. The servant said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, no. In other words, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. And then verse 30, Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Amen. May God have a blessing to <clears throat> the reading and the hearing of his holy word. So tonight, uh, of course, we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the tares. That's what we're going to talk about tonight, the wheat and and the tares. Okay, the wheat, there you go. Y'all like that wheat? You like the tares? All right. That's what I want y'all to see. I want y'all to see the wheat and the tares. All right. Let me let me let me start off. I'm going to start off by um, asking you all just a quick, uh, just a quick question. Okay, it's just going to be a quick question here tonight, Amen. That we're going to start the lesson off with. And I don't know what's going on with my screen here tonight, but we're going to get it fixed one of these days, one of these times, uh, so that we will be able to, uh, let's see here, let's do that first, and then let's do this, and then we're going to do that. All right, now, there we go. All right, let me start off by asking you, have, have, have anybody did any type of gardening? Any type of gardening? Do we have any... I don't want to say gardeners, but any type of gardening. Okay, okay. I see a couple of hands uh, that was uh, listed. Um, uh, somebody just unmute that, raise your hand and tell me, what is your least favorite type 
um, of yard work? What's your least type of <clears throat> your least type? I know nowadays we have gardeners and uh, uh, HMOs where the gardener come in, you know, do all that stuff. People don't work in the yard like they used to. But uh, we might have one or two that still kind of enjoy. But what is your least favorite type of yard work? Pull the weeds. Pull the weeds. Pull the weeds. Nobody like to pull weeds? No. Okay. Well, for all the brothers that just answered, we need to go up to the church and pull some weeds. But anyway, that's another subject. (laughs) That's another subject. Okay. And so I think we all would agree that, uh, I guess, pulling of the weeds is what the problem is. And now, now why, do, why do you dislike weeds? Anybody, have there any particular reason why you um, dislike weeds? I mean, we don't like to pull them, but is there any reason that you uh, dislike pulling weeds? Because you have to make sure you pull them at the root? Because you have to make sure that you um, pull them uh, at the root. Somebody else is going to say something as well. No, I guess now they just make, pass it, they just grow fast. They grow back too fast. They, they grow back. They just grow back. They're like all it takes is one good um, rain, and uh, then there it is. And now you have you have weeds. All right, thank you all so much for that. Tonight um, we're, we're going to talk about the wheat and the tares. Now, once again, this is another parable of Jesus, and of course, I told you last week that. Uh, a parable is a um, natural story with a with a spiritual with spiritual implication, <clears throat> and uh, that's how he spoke with his and to his uh, disciples. So now, when we look at the parable of the wheat and the tares, this parable is about two seeds. It's about two seeds. All right, you have wheat. And you have the tear, which I like to classify tonight as weeds. All right. So we have the weed. We have weeds, which represent good and bad people and their destiny. That's what this peril is about. Good people and bad people and their destiny. Now, of course, the bad people are fakes. That's what they are. They're fraud. They're swindlers. And you know what? They look like good people, but they are evil. Okay. But however, in judgment, all the superficial and hypocritical professions will be exposed and condemned to a fiery judgment, while only the true saints, the true believers, will be blessed with eternal blessings. Okay. With eternal blessings. And so tonight, tonight, y'all get ready to write, because tonight when we look at this particular parable, the first things that we're going to um, look at here tonight is we're going to look at the the um, we're going to look at the parts of the parable. We're going to look at the planting in the parable. Number three, we'll deal with the perplexity in the parable. And then we'll conclude with the prospect, with the prospect, okay, uh, in the parable. We're going to deal with the parts, the planting, the perplexity, 
and the prospect. Okay, so let's 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 uh, let's dig into it because, uh, like the parables about the soils, this parable is also reported in two parts with other parables and statements between the parts. And we're going to see that as we dig deeper uh, into uh, the text. All right. And so let's deal with the parts of the parable, the parts of the parable. All right. Here's what we're going to be dealing with while we deal with the parts of the parable. Number one, we're going to deal with the places of the parts. Number two, we're going to deal with the the particulars of the parts. Number three, we're going to deal with the people in the parts. And then number four, we're going to deal with the prompting of the parts. The places, particulars, the people, and the prompting. That's what we're going to deal with here. I'm going to give you guys time to write this down. Give you time to write it down because this is going to be very important. And it's, and it's right here. It's right here that um, that's recorded in this 13th chapter of the book of uh, St. Matthew's. Okay. It's right here. So let's, 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 let, let's deal with this. Um, quickly. I'm just going to leave my green screen up. All right. So let's deal with, first of all, let's deal with the places of the parts, the places of the parts. All right. The first part of the parable, which is recorded in Matthew 13, 24 through 30, was given in public. Once again, was given in public. The second part of this parable is in the 36th through the 43rd verses. It was given privately in a house to Christ's disciples. Now, you remember last week when we talked about the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils, it was first given publicly, then it was given privately. All right, this is a separate parable. And so the first part of this parable was first given to everybody, and then it was given, the explanation was given um, only to his disciples. Now, let's look at the particulars about the parts, okay, the particulars. The first part gives the facts. The second part, the interpretation, All right. Next, the first part gives the story. Everybody heard the story. But the second part gave the application. All right. So the crowd did not get the interpretation nor the application. They only received the facts and the story. And then next, the first part is informational. The second part was instructional. Okay. So, so if you notice, once again, the public got one thing and his disciples got another. And, you know, as I begin to think about this, I was just kind of thinking that 
that just kind of seemed how Jesus did with his disciples. Okay, that's how he did. He he, if you notice, he always preached to the crowd, but then he would always take them aside. Um, uh, and that was quite encouraging to me when I began to think about that because I, I always I, I always said that he preached to he taught the masses, but he only trained twelve. <laughs> I want y'all to think about this. He always talked to the masses but he only trained 12, okay? And so and so, when you look at the particulars of this, the crowd only got the facts, the story, and information while the disciples received interpretation, application, and instructions, <laughs> all right? And so that, that's, that's, that's the particulars in, in this. Now let's also let's also look at let's look at the people in the parts. Once again, the first part was given to the multitude, the second part was given to the few chosen disciples of Christ. The few chosen disciples of Christ. Then let's look at the prompting. Now, when we speak of the prompting, we're speaking of the urging, the triggering, okay? The urging of the parts. Because when you look at verse number 36, which is in the other part of, of, of our text, his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us, the parable of the tares of the field. All right. So they came to him and basically they urged him. They asked of him, please explain to us <laughs> what this miracle is all about. What is this all? What is this all about? Okay. So it was the, it was the inquiry of the disciples which actually prompt the second part of this parable. And so it was certainly, it was commendable of the disciples to ask Christ for an explanation of his teaching. And let, let any good student, if they don't understand something, is going to ask for an explanation. Now, now, can I please say there's a difference between uh, asking for an explanation so that you can learn something Versus asking for an explanation so you could debate something. <laughs> you all fall walk with me tonight. And how many of you all know that we should never stop having a desire to learn? Never lose your desire to learn. Even when it comes to the word of God, I, 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 I really don't care uh, uh, how great of a teacher a person may uh, uh, think they are including myself, uh, we should never get to the place where we cease to learn because there's always something in the scripture. God God has a way of always, you know, you can read the 23rd Psalm and if you don't believe me, try it. Read it every day this week. And if you read it with an open mind and ask God to show you something in there, God will show you something different every time you read it. 
Okay, that's 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 because God's word can never be exalted exhausted. Okay, God will give you fresh revelation, God on and in regards to his word. And so these disciples they come to him and they say, Please explain what this parable means. And you know what? My prayer, my God, is that really that more people were desirous of understanding the word of God better, okay? And that and, and that they would seek the Lord for help, for a better understanding of his word. How I many of y'all know when you seek God, he'll give you an understanding of his word. Don't let the devil fool you. Don't let the devil try to tell you, well, I don't understand this and all the these and the thou's and all of that. No, seek God for a better understanding of his word, okay? Because I don't want to be like the crowd. I don't want to just be like the crowd. I want to have what uh, 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 Jesus gave the disciples because basically they got both. Because they were a part of both parts. And so they received what the crowd received. And then they turned around when he took them in the house and got even more. Okay. And so basically, we ought to have a desire to everything that God has in his word. We ought to have a desire to hear it and to receive it and to apply it. Okay, all right. So let's move on so that, that my time don't 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 get by tonight. Let's deal with the planting in the parable. That was the next thing, the planting in the parable, because a major feature in the parable is the planting of the two seeds. That's the major part, really. The planting of the two seeds, the wheat and the tear, and the weeds, okay? Let's deal with the planting. Now, when we deal with the planting, we see two things. We see the good planting, and we see the guileful planting. The good planting, all right, and the guileful planting, now, when we speak of guileful, I want you to know that we, we're speaking of when you say the guileful, that's the cunning, the clever, the um, deceitful planting. Uh, uh, back in the day, you would say the sly. <laughs> For all you back in the day people, <laughs> you would say the sly. Okay. So, 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 so. Look at the good planting. Look at verse number 24. Keep your Bibles open. Because verse number 24 says, it says, a man which sowed good seed in his field. Good seed in his field. Lord have mercy. I hope I get through with this lesson. Notice where he planted the good seed in his field. Sometimes we try to plant good seed in everybody's field but our own. He planted good seed in his 
field. Okay? So the, so the first thing we have to observe, watch this. The first thing that we have to observe, there's three things in, in this good planning, good, in this good planning. Number one, let's deal with the seed. Number two, we're going to deal with the sower. And number three, we're going to deal with the secrecy. The seed in the planting, the sower in the planting, and the secrecy in the planting. Okay. Because when you deal with the seed, when you deal with the seed, the seed was high quality as, as, as is seen in it being called good seed. In other words, it was wheat. Now, wheat is symbolic, don't miss this, of the children of the kingdom. It's symbolic of the righteous. Good seed. Okay, those that are righteous is good seed. Those who are the, of the children of the kingdom, that's, that's good seed. But then next, let's look at the sower. You got to look at the sower. That the planting was good is also found in who did the sowing? Well, in this case, watch this, the one that sowed the good seed. And remember what I told you the seed was? Anybody remember what the seed is or what the seed represents? Unmute, say it quick so I can keep teaching. What is the seed? Children Nobody know what the seed is? Children of the kingdom and it's symbolic of the right. Okay, what else? From What else from last week? Oh, uh, oh, by the time y'all go through your notes, it'd be Bible study, be over. The word. Be over. Say what to the Lord? The word. The seed is the word. Watch this. The seed is also the word of God. Okay. The seed is also, you were right, Sister Marguerite, but the seed is also, it's also the word of God. Okay. That's the, so the sower who sowed this seed according to verse 37, was the son of man. <laughs> All right, that is Jesus Christ in this parable. And I think you all would agree with me that everything that, that Jesus did, it was good. Okay? So the son of man is the sower. Now, Watch this now, watch this. I told you that the sower went out and sowed good seed in his own field. Jesus is the, is the sower. So, so here's several things I need you to know. Christ owns the field. <laughs> he owns the field. Okay? Now, the field is representative of the world. That's the field. The field is the world. 
So Christ owns, he owns the field. The world is his by right because he created it. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and the world and they that dwelleth therein. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let us. So Jesus was there even in the beginning. So the world, the field belongs to the sower that sows good seed. Now, did y'all not know that Jesus, he does sow in the world? He does. He sows in the world. He works actively. You know, how many of y'all know we, we, we don't serve a God who's just, he, he's not far out in, in outer space somewhere, disinterested and inactive. How many of y'all know God is active? I serve an active God. Have God done anything for anybody today? <laughs> Yes, he has. Guess what he did? He woke you up this morning. He's active. He's blessed us with the activities of our limbs. He's active. He's not in outer space somewhere that's disinterested, okay? He is vitally interested in the world that he created. And he, watch this, works hard at sowing the righteous. And then let me tell you something about, let me tell you something else. Seed is scattered all over the world. It is. God has scattered the seed. In other words, the righteous all over the world. Can you all believe that there are still some righteous folks? Now, I'm not saying self-righteous. <laughs> I said, there are still some folk who are righteous. There are still some folk who love God. There are still some folk who are living right. Okay? There are still some righteous people in the world. God is no respecter of person. That means there's no single uh, nation that, that, that possess all the righteousness of the earth. God is everywhere. And how many of y'all know only the righteous shall see God? But now watch this. What is the purpose? What is the purpose of the seed? What is the purpose of the seed? Somebody unmute and tell me what's the purpose of seed? To grow. It's to grow. The purpose of seed is to grow whatever you plant it. <laughs> the purpose of seed is to bear fruit. You plant it as a seed, but the purpose of that seed is to bear fruit. And guess what? If it does not, it is either dead or else it is not real seed. If it doesn't grow, it's either dead or it is not real seed. One other thing that I want to bring up is that there is no righteous person apart from Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's no righteous person 
apart from Jesus Christ. And so the seed is high quality. It's good seed. It's wheat. It's the children of the kingdom. It's, it's, it's the righteous. The sower, the one who sows the good seed in the field, in the world, is the son of man. Okay? He owns the field. He sows in, in all of his field. How many of y'all know the more you sow, the more the greater the harvest? <laughs> all right. So then now, watch this. That was the good seed that was planted, the good sower. Let's look at the gal folk planting. Let's look at the gal folk planting. Look at verse number 25. Verse number 25 says, while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and then took off. <laughs> he didn't even hang around. I mean, you know, that's what the devil do. He didn't even hang around. Notice what it says. He sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Went his way. So, 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 here it is. <clears throat> the guilefulness of this planning is emphasized in three ways. Okay? Emphasized in three ways. Once again, you have the seed, which was tear weeds. Now I'm going to tell y'all something. Now don't 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 y'all all go uh, sign off at the same time. All right. But the word translated tears really means a bastard. Pastor didn't cuss. I didn't cuss, Sister Lori. The word translated tears mean a bastard. In other words, it's it resembles wheat. In its in its earlier stages, okay, uh, uh, it's it's indistinguishable from the wheat stalks. Now, when you look at that word bastard in relation to tears, it means it's. It, it means it's unpleasant. It's despicable. It's offensive. How I many y'all know Satan likes to disguise his evil as something good? This seed, watch this. It is not only deceptive, but it is also defiling. Because it's poisonous. <laughs> it, 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 it's poisonous. And so the effect of eating produces violent nausea, convulsions. I don't want to be too deep, but I'm going to just teach it. And diarrhea. I've done some study on it. Y'all, I'm going to just teach it. And it could even cause death. So, so you see the danger of that enemy 
while they slept, sowing seed, tares, weeds. Because if they had got a hold to it, it could have been detrimental. Now, no wonder it's called in verse 38, when he gives the explanation of the parable, it's called the children of the wicked one. <laughs> How many of y'all know children of the wicked one <laughs> can be unpleasant? They can be despicable. They can be offensive. Y'all ain't got to talk back here to me. They can cause your stomach to turn. They could even, if you're not careful, cause death. So that seed was the weed. It was terrible. But now notice the sower that came while they slept. Verse number 25. His enemy came and sowed the tares. Now notice that the planning in Galful is emphasized by the names for the sower in the parable. Verse 25, verse 28, verse 39. They are called enemies. They're called the devil. He called them the wicked one. All in one parable. <laughs> verse 25, verse 28. In verse 39, they're the enemy, it's the devil, it's the wicked one. The enemy is the devil, the liar, the deceiver, the one who struggles against the truth. And the tares are the children of the devil or the wicked ones. No, notice what the enemy, the devil does. I don't want y'all to miss it. Verse number 38 and verse number 41. Just write that down. Know what he does. His work is to sow wicked or lawless people in the world and do it secretly so that they will be unnoticed. My mother used to say the devil ain't nothing but a bum. He's a bum, 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 bum. He, he does it secretly. He does it when you don't even notice him doing it. I feel your spirit. Why don't he man up? <laughs> he has to do it secretly. And that take us, that take us to the next point, the secrecy in the planning. While men slept, verse 25, his enemy came and sowed the tares among the wheat. Notice when it happened. While men slept. Did y'all not know that Satan likes to disguise and he likes to conceal his evil? 
but he came. He didn't come while the man was awake. <laughs> no, he ain't bold enough. He came while men slept. So watch this, because there, there, there's something in the sleeping here. The first thing, he came while they were unconscious. But then I want to add to that. He comes when we're too busy. He comes when we're too preoccupied. He, 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 he comes when we're too unconcerned. When we are unaware. He comes to entice with pleasure and other affairs. He comes while we sleep. And can I please tell y'all, you got your hand up, Sister Lori? Yes, now it's it's becoming clearer about how he also plants them in the church and how um, if we're not aware or if a church becomes preoccupied with something other than the gospel, then he comes in and he plants folks in the church and it's a double um, whammy, I guess. It's a double. It does double damage because then the world is looking at the devil that's been planted in the church and then think the whole church is like that when it's the enemy who has done this and planted. Yeah. And while we, if we become distracted, the enemy will come in and plant right in the church. Thank you. That's good because, and that's the thing. We become too preoccupied. You know, we, we, we become... Uh, 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 preoccupied with programs and sometimes you could be uh, too too busy trying to raise money or you know too busy trying to do this that and the other and the enemy comes in because you know he's an enemy of God he don't have to be your enemy he's an enemy of God he don't want you doing anything that have anything to do with God all right and so he comes in while we sleep. Scripture says, wake up. It says, awake. <laughs> we need to wash our faces and brush our spiritual teeth. Y'all, they got to talk back here to me. Wake up and let's see what the enemy, not what he's trying to do, because he ain't even trying no more. He's doing it. Sister Lori showed a picture not too long ago while she was teaching of, of, of two men. One was the pastor and one was the pastor's wife. And they was having a convention. He's doing it. So, so what did the devil do here? What did the enemy do here in this parable? The devil operated under the cover of darkness and deception. He don't do what he do in the daytime. <laughs> he operates under the cover of darkness and deception. Get your Bibles. Come on, hold on. Put something in, in Matthew 13. Put something there. Put that, put that, put that, um, put that, uh, piece of bread you eating in there and turn over to the book of St. John. I, I got to go there. I have to go there. To the book of St. John, the eighth chapter. We got to expose this devil. 
this is Jesus talking. The eighth chapter beginning at verse number 43. <clears throat> Look what Jesus says, St. John 8, 43. He says, why do ye not understand my speech? <laughs> Even because ye cannot hear my word. And then notice what he says to them. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode, dwelled, in other words, not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, he says, ye believe me not. <laughs> the question is, what, what, what else? What does God have to do for us to believe the truth? What do we have to do? Now, notice something else. My God. Notice something else that the enemy did, that the devil did while they slept. He didn't plant next to the man's field. He didn't plant across the street. He didn't even plant around the corner where they could drive around the corner and think that the grass is greener on the other side. No, that wasn't his intentions. The enemy sold in the same field <laughs> as the Lord. He sold in the same field as the Lord. The bad are sown among the good. So, so the devil's method is counterfeit and imitation. Everything he does, all right? He has no originality about himself. Everything he does is counterfeit. Let me tell you something. If every $20 bill I gave you was fake, how long would you keep taking $20 bills from me? <laughs> You go to the store to pay for it and the police end up coming to get you. I give you another one. You go to the bank and try to deposit it and the police come and get you. How many times would you accept from me a counterfeit $20 bill? I don't think some of y'all only once. You ain't gonna take no more money from me. A $1, a $100 bill, or nothing. You're gonna classify me as a crook? And that's what and that's what you're gonna do. Well, come on. Are y'all following you walking with me? The devil's method, everything he does is counterfeit, is imitation. And so piggybacking on what Lori said, some within the world and within the church have not been sown by the Lord. Got a lot of people in the church doing what they're doing, 
The Lord didn't plant that seed. <laughs> I'm just telling y'all now. They may be in the world and in the church. They may even look like they belong to him. But y'all know looks are deceiving. Come on here. Looks are deceiving. And so he says, they are the devil and the enemy plants in the same field. So then that take us to our next point because we got to we have to deal with the perplexity in the parable. The perplexity. Now the perplexity in the parable is the perplex is the perplexity of the servants of the good planter about how. Uh oh, how <laughs> how did the tares get in the wheat. How did it happen? Uh-oh. Now, I know I really shouldn't open this question there, but I am. How did we, and I say we as a group, allow tear <laughs> to be among us? Somebody want to unmute? It's a simple answer. Yeah, because it, yeah. it, it, it was so disguised. It looks so good. I mean, it looks like the real thing. It acts like the real thing. You explained it, how the devil is so crafty. He makes it look or sound or whatever you want to say so close to right that we look beyond because we're so surface. We like, oh, they're black or whatever you want to say you make the reason of why you believe it um but it's so close mm -hmm. and we're deceived mm -hmm. can't can't tell them apart brother chris sometimes we accept things you know accept people as they are saying oh god will god will um um uh, get them or or god would will uh forgive them or so but sometimes we accepted accepted them and not not take them uh try to take them out or discipline or whatever mm-hmm and a lot of times it happens because we sleep. <laughs> we become unconscious to the things of God. We become too busy. We become too, and therefore, and here's the sad part about it now. And really it's the sad part. Because the enemy used to creep into the church. He used to just creep. You know, he kind of had to creep and sit on the back pew for a few Sundays and then, you know. Now he coming in bold. <laughs> he coming in bold. He coming in asking for a key position. Okay? It's while men slept. Let's deal with this. Let's deal with the perplexity. Because now the servant of the good planter, which was the Lord, he's perplexed because he don't know how this happened. <laughs> Have you? Uh oh! Don't answer this now, please. Don't answer this one. I, I, I'm gonna mute everybody so you can't answer. Have you ever, if you want to be transparent for a minute or two, or maybe thirty seconds, have you ever got yourself in a situation and then when you turned around and looked, you said, "Lord, how did I get here? <laughs> how I know better. I, I, what was I thinking? What what? 
How did I get here? <laughs> All right, maybe you did some of y'all so holy and you've been glorified. You went to heaven and you come back. So let me put it on the natural then. Let me put it on the natural. I, I had money. Where did my money go? How did I get here? How did I get all these bills? How was all these credit card payments due? How did I get here? It got there because you slept. You was unconscious of what you were spending. (laughs) Your flesh got away with you and you wanted this and you wanted that and you kept going ching, 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 ching. And then next thing you know, you got a whole stack of bills sitting on the desk saying how. Anybody, somebody type, uh, teach pastor, please, please. I need your help tonight. Please type that. Has anybody ever paid off all their bills and said, I'm going to pay this off and I ain't going to never do this again, only to discover I've been there. So I ain't just talking about y'all. I'm talking about me too. Paid all my bills off and said, now I'm going to live in them. Wait, wait, here's the thing we say. Uh, I'm going to pay cash for everything. (laughs) Now you're going too far. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. (laughs) I'm going to pay cash for everything. And the next thing you know, how, how, how did I get here? The servant was perplexed. He knew, he knew that the sower was a good sower. He knew it was good seed. Now he want to know how did we get here? Well, let's deal with it. Let's deal with it, saints. Because in dealing with the perplexity of this parable, of the servant, rather, we have to deal with the report of the tares. We must deal with the realization of the tares. Then we got to deal with the removal. The report. The realization. The removal. I call that the three R's. If you guys remember, we just had the three P's. Come on. I'm trying to help y'all remember this. <laughs> you say, what's that word he used? Well, I know it started with R. The report, <clears throat> the realization, and the removal. Look at the report in verse number 27. Look at the report. Look at the report in verse 27. The servants came and said unto him, Sir, Didst thou not sow good seed in the in thy field from whence hath it tares? The servants were upset about the tares. And you know what? That's commendable. You know why that's commendable? I commend that servant. Because so many people, so many Christians, so many believers, we no longer get upset. About the low uh, morals of our society. Come on here, somebody. I'm not going to try to name no particular sin. I ain't going to even do that. Because all sin is sin. So I ain't going to try to pinpoint your guys' what you say is known sin. It's all sin. 
So I ain't going to call no sin tonight. I'm going to just say sin. That we see it and we know it and we laugh at it. Come on here, somebody. We joke about it. We don't become upset like this servant became. Okay, when you look at what's going on in our society, your righteous indignation ought to stir your heart. He reported, he said, didn't you put good seed in the field? Where did this come from? I mean, I know in order to, in order to get rid of that thing, you got to find out where it came from. <laughs> That's why they have so much problem, really with this COVID-19 because they're still trying to figure out where all this come from. If you, if you, get, if you know where it comes from, then you can get to the source. Okay. He reported it. And then notice verse 28. That's the realization of the tares. Here's the, that's the realization. Because he said, an enemy have done this. <laughs> uh, he realized what had happened. Uh-oh. Saints, we have to realize, come to grip with what has happened. We might not want to admit it, but we got to uh, come on, buckle down. We have to say, I'm in the condition I'm in now because Y'all ain't got to help me here. If I discipline myself more in this area, then I won't find myself in worse shape than I'm in now. He knew. He realized that the enemy have done this. And can I be? Can I give you somebody some encouragement? Christ is not ignorant of the works of evil. <laughs> evil may think that it is concealed. All right. The tares were sown when men slept, but no sin is concealed from God. No sin is concealed from God. Ask David. David says, where can I go to get out of the sight of the Lord? In other words, he felt that if he could go somewhere and hide from God, he would. <laughs> he said, if I ascend to the highest mountain, God is there. If I make my bed even in hell, God is there. Where can I go? And then finally, he come to the conclusion, he come to the realization that the eyes of the Lord is in every place, beholding the good and the evil. And so he realized, he realized, somebody tonight need to come to the realization. It's only when you come to the, reali to the realization that God is able to help us. That God is able to deliver us. That God is able to set us free. But we got to come to the realization. Well, what was my next R? 
I'm gonna see if y'all know. What was the last R? There you go. Y'all listening. Y'all take too long to unmute. My God. I want y'all to stop that. We're even in Bible Discovery, folk got to wait on you. Just don't worry about to see who's going to unmute. Just unmute and start talking from this day forward. Thank you. The removal of the tears. Now, watch this. We got to remove it <laughs> because if we don't, something bad is going to happen. All right. Look at verse 28, 29. Basically, it says, he says, wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? He said, no. Uh-oh. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root also the wheat with them. Now, the servant had a good servant heart. <laughs> he wanted to go out there and get rid of that tear. He wanted to get the weeds out of the field. That's a servant heart. Come on here, somebody. That's a servant heart. We got to get the weeds out of this field. But then he says, no, no. He said, hold up. You're moving too fast. So I got two points on that. Number one, we have the willingness for the removal. And then we have the waiting in the removal. That's how I like to classify that. The willingness. These servants were hard workers and volunteered to do the difficult job of weeding the wheat, separating it. But then when you have the waiting in the removal, now watch this, because I don't want y'all to miss this, because this is very important. Very important what I'm about to say right now. Christ is speaking about divine judgment, not church discipline. I'm going to say it again. He's speaking of divine judgment, not church discipline. So, you know, all the time we use that word, he says, just let the weed and the tear grow together. And God said, when I come, I, no, that ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about divine judgment, not church discipline. I know sometimes nowadays we live in a day now, you can't discipline nobody. I understand that. I understand you can't discipline nobody nowadays because ain't nobody saved enough for that. Because if, if a person understood what, what the purpose of discipline was, and their heart was right, and their motive was right, and they wanted to be right in the sight of the Lord, then they would understand discipline. Scripture says no chastening is good for the moment, but afterwards, it, 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 it helps us yield more fruit. Folks get mad now, they go just go, go, go to somebody else's church. They don't want discipline. But I need y'all to understand that this parable, so let's not use that when it comes to church discipline. This deals with divine judgment. Divine judgment, as in Sodom's case, Sodom and Gomorrah's case. Okay? 
Now, watch what God does with divine judgment. As in Sodom's case, he often waits until the righteous are removed. Come on, somebody. Notice, before he destroyed the, the city, Lot couldn't find 50, couldn't find 40, couldn't find 30, couldn't find 10 righteous men. So they were unrighteous. But before God destroyed the city, he allowed Lot and his family to go. And some didn't even want to go. They were too occupied. They were having a good time. God always waits until the righteous are removed. For in many cases, divine judgment could hurt the righteous. Because when God, oh God, when he put his hand down, <laughs> he puts his hand. This is the application. That, that's the application there. All right. And so he says, you wait. Now, here's the reason you got to wait. Here's the reason why you just can't run out there and just separate the wheat from the tares is because its roots become intertwined with each other. They're growing together. And so the roots become intertwined. So if it were rooted up, it would destroy the wheat plant before the fruit could mature. Because they wrapped up, they tied up, they tangled up together. What's that saying? You, you Don't throw out the baby with the water or something like that. <laughs> Think about it. And so that, that it's the same case. So the method used to get rid of it was to let it grow together and then harvest it with the wheat. He said, let it grow together. Not, not know something. Because when we talk about the tares, we're talking about the un unregenerated. We're talking about the unsaved. It looked like wheat when sown. And even during the growing stage. <laughs> it all looked alike. All men appear the same in religious practices. You can put a clergy and a cross on the devil. If you shave him, he look good. <coughs> He'll look good. All men appear. But wait, it's during the fruit bearing stage that the difference appear. Uh, don't miss that. How much fruit are you bearing? Because that makes the difference. That makes the difference. Unregenerate, un, 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 unregenerate men can imitate true believers for only so long, but eventually their true nature don't show up. A person's nature always come out eventually. <laughs> a tear shows itself. A weed will show itself. A wicked person may profess to be righteous, but a life of selfishness and unrighteousness will eventually take hold. The profession may even continue, but so will the life of wickedness. But it's going to show up. 
A hog is a hog, no matter what you do to a hog. And by nature, a hog loves slop. My daddy used to say you could take a hog, you could bathe him, you could do whatever you want to do to him. You can put a tuxedo on him along with a bow tie. As long as he's in the house, he'll stay clean. But you better not open up that door and let him go. And don't let it be no slop nowhere. Because bow tie and tuxedo, he's going back into that, into that slop. Because that's the nature of a hog. All right? God gave us a new nature. Come on here. We've been born again. Now, in your spare time, I want you guys to read, because I got to get through this. In your spare time, I want you guys to read uh, verses 36 through 43, because that gives the the, the uh, disciples explanation of this. But let's quickly, so we can close, run through the prospects in the parable. Now, when we speak of prospects, I speak of the chances, the possibilities, okay? For the guileful, the, the cunning, crafty seed. What is the chance of that seed? What's the possibility of that seed, okay? Well, it's very simple. What's going to happen? It's very simple what's going to happen to them. When you glance down at verse number 42, it's real simple, all right? When you, when you, when you look at verse number 32, I'm sorry, 42. It says the tares will be cast into a furnace, into a fire rather, and there shall be welling and gnashing of teeth. Welling and gnashing of teeth. All right. In other words, their judgment is like the judgment given in the big fish in the dragnet parable. I think that's the next parable somewhere. Divine judgment will be severe on the tares, on the wicked. Judgment is coming. All right, judgment is coming. Let's look at the place of the judgment in the furnace of fire. <laughs> You're gonna bundle them up, put them in the fire. This is the most expressive image of suffering because it speaks of hell fire. They're gonna be cast into hell, bottom line. In Revelation, hell is called the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. Twice in Matthews, Christ calls hell everlasting fire. So for people who try to tell you there is no hell because we live in enough hell down here, you better not believe that. Hell is real. Hell is hot. And hell is forever. So stop sending people to hell. Send them to heaven. All right, because there's no place that anybody want to go. And so the tares may look like wheat, but they do not have the prospects of wheat because they're going to hell. And then look at secondly, not only the place, look at the pain in the judgment. It says that it will be welling and gnashing of teeth. Now, when you look at that word welling, that's both the pain of mind Watch this. That's the wailing. People that go to hell is going to be conscious. <laughs> they might have slept while the enemy come in, but they're going to wake up. That's, 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 that's the mind, wailing. And then the body is the gnashing of teeth. All right? So there's going to be some screaming. There's going to be some weeping. There's going to be some crying. 
And then look at the prospects for the good seed. All the way down in verse number 43, it says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's the good seed. The prospect of the good seed. The last verse of the parable goes from grief to glory. Come on here. From pain to pleasure, from hell to heaven. The glory of the righteous will be great. So great that it's compared to the sun. All right. And so that's that's where the good seed, the good prospects for the good seed. Now, I have to remind y'all of something because now and then I'm done. I'm going to give you a fact to note. The cares among the wheat are hurtful to the wheat. Now, don't let nobody tell you that the care can't hurt the wheat because it can. That's why discipline is necessary because we can't allow the tear to destroy the wheat. All right, number one. They are an evil reflection upon the wheat. It's the evil reflection. Just like Sister Laurie was saying. That's why people think the church is, everybody in the church is a hypocrite because of one or two hypocrites. That don't make everybody a hypocrite. They are evil reflection. They sometimes make it very difficult for the world to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, they are the primary cause for the charge of hypocrisy that's leveled against the church. If they see us acting like the world and talking like the world and cheating like the world and, 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 and beating folk up like the world, what's the difference? And then second point, they hinder the growth of the wheat. Remember I told you their roots are intertwined. So they hinder, they frustrate, they prevent, they stop the growth of the wheat. Their behavior and conversation and their thoughts are centered in the world, not on Christ. Therefore, the righteous are not edified when tares are clinging to them. You guys got to get rid of the tares of your life. Come on here, somebody. You got to say, I want the good seed. I want the word of God. I want it to fall on good ground so that when tear try to attach itself to me, I can identify this ain't nothing but a weed. The next point, they are a threat to the wheat. Why are you going to attach yourself to somebody that's a threat? Watch this, to your spiritual life. They are a threat. They can draw needed nourishment from the wheat. If you don't read your Bible, except for when you come to Bible study, they're going to drain you down to nothing. If you don't get the word in you. The professing tear can tempt and lead the righteous away from the Lord and his nourishment. They can tempt and lead the righteous into the world and its delights. Some folk didn't make it through this pandemic. <laughs> Some people in St. Luke Church didn't sign on not one time. Hello, here's somebody. You know why? They were attached to the tears. I said it. They were attached to the tears. They didn't have enough nourishment. And guess what? 
Don't stick your chest out and hold your head up because it can happen to any of us. If we don't nourish ourselves in the word of God and know when tears are trying to attach themselves to us, you better work your own field. <laughs> work your own field. And then last but not least, they can cause the death of the weak. They can. The professing tear can persecute and even kill the wheat, choke it out, can choke it out. They can choke it out. So we have to apply this. We have to apply. I'm done. I got to let y'all go now. We have to apply this to our life. We have to ask ourselves the question, in what ways do we need to alter our lifestyle, either our attitude or our actions? It could be either or, it could be both, in order to be more like wheat and less like a weed. Don't, 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 don't go in everybody else's field and try to pick out all the weeds in their field. Look in your own field and ask yourself, what can I do? What change can I make in my lifestyle, my attitude, my actions? And then I got another good question for you. Whom do you need to judge and label less today? We're so busy judging each other and labeling each other until we don't turn the spotlight on ourselves. Who can we judge less? Who can we label less? so that we can in turn focus on ourselves. Last but not least, for what non-Christian co-worker, neighbor, friend, relative will you pray for this week? Because the wicked shall be turned into hell in all nations that forget God. So I'm finished. I trust y'all got something out of this. Work on your field. Don't sleep. <laughs> Don't sleep because the enemy will come in. Don't become too busy, too wrapped up in what you're doing. Because before you notice, you'll stop and ask yourself, how did I get here? I know I sowed some good seed. I know I sowed some good seed. I know I've sown some good seed. But then how did I get here? Well, the answer is simple. While men slept, <clears throat> the enemy came in. God, now help us to wake up. Help us to be conscious of your word. Help us to be obedient to your will. Help us, God, that as we sow good seed, that we have an eye through the spirit for the enemy. Not in our flesh, but through the spirit, God. We have an eye for the enemy. Help us to have holy boldness to the point that we will not allow tear to attach to the wheat that have grown in, grown in us through your word and through a relationship with you, God. 
to help us to never lose focus that heaven is our home and that one day when harvest time comes, that you're going to come and you're going to gather the wheat from the tear and the tear will be bundled together and cast into fiery furnace, everlasting fire. But then the wheat, God, will go home to be with you. And then we can hear you say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Forgive us of all sin, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. This is our prayer we pray in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. Amen. All right, God.